Welcome to Life Isn't Lived on a Spreadsheet with Ryan Potterack from Potterack Capital Advisory. You have unique values, objectives, fears, life experiences, and biases. Any financial professional who ignores or minimizes the importance of your story may not be able to help you achieve your ideal outcomes or hit your goals. It's time to experience the PCA difference. In this podcast, we help business executives, soon-to-be retirees, and solutions-based individuals overcome the anxiety leading up to their upcoming years. We do this by initiating in-depth discussions about the financial aspects of retirement, like tax planning and asset allocation, alongside, and often overlooked, personal and lifestyle aspects. Join us on this journey where we explore retirement from a contrarian point of view, as Ryan draws from years of expertise and guest experts to help you explore the true purpose of your money in retirement and the impact you want to make in your golden years. Now, on to the show. Our relationship with money can get complicated. What you think is important may not seem that way to someone else, including those close to you. Your host, Ryan Potterack, has seen a lot of these situations in his years as a financial professional. I'm Patrice Sikora. And Ryan, how do you get people to stop beating themselves up when it comes to money decisions? Oh, goodness. Well, first of all, hello, Patrice. Good to see you again, or good to hear you again. And, uh, you, you know, I, I wrote a chapter in my book, Don't Shit on Yourself. And you know, I was tra- I tried. Oh, to- let's make that don't should on yourself, right? It, it is. It is. That's what I said. Now maybe I would. Okay. Maybe I slurred or put the emphasis <laughs> on the wrong syllable. But nonetheless, and and you know, if I've got an opportunity to inject humor or anything, I do. But the reality of it is, and where I was coming from with that chapter, is that as we grow up, we hear from our you know our parents and maybe teachers, educators, grandparents, you should do this, you should do that, you should do this, and. Uh, you know, a lot of that kind of high level is, okay, you should graduate high school, you should go to college, mm-hmm. you should approach relationships uh, in a certain way, maybe uh, not partake in certain actions or activities before you get married. And then also the the, the framework, whether it's politically or financially, the, the framework for any of us growing up is very much dictated typically by the household, by by the parents. And so if I go back a couple of generations, like I was really close to my grandparents, uh, even as I got to be a young adult, but, you know, they were, they were out of the depression era. And so, and they also lived in the same house typically for most of their life. So looking at, okay, for example, buying a house is the most important thing you can do. And that's going to build wealth. That doesn't play the same way as it did two Mm -hmm. generations ago. You know, so there's a lot of you should do this, you should do that, that can have some merit. I would say that it has merit in that is a topic that you should discuss benefits, limitations, pros, cons, because then you can get at the core of, well, how does it really pertain to you? Because any of our listeners out there, whatever your age is, is your situation in, in any way different than your parents' situation when they were your age? And probably, probably is the case. And therefore the, the, the should, the shoulds may not apply. (laughs) And and I'm big on critical thinking, Patrice. I just, if, if every, if an audience is all moving to the left side, I'm going to go over to the right side and kind of check it out. And then if I say, well, you know, the left side does look better then at least I've done my due diligence on, on thinking critically. And so that as a contrarian in just about everything, business and personal 
that's also at the core. And some of that is, is psychology. Um, but it's at the core of how I approach questions or problem solving. I like the idea though, because if you go to that right-hand side where nobody else is, you find out what's going over there. You take that knowledge back to the left side so that everybody over there can benefit from what you've learned. And you get to the point, you know, we have, we have people in this world that are followers and, and people who are not afraid to step out. And both of those hypothetical people can be fantastic people, but it can be scary to step out from, you know, from the crowd. So when I'm working with a couple, so it's just me and them, and we're, we're going to talk about strategies that may not fit into how they were raised and all of their, you should do's. I respect that and and help have a conversation around it to really just provide some knowledge and situational experience that might open them up to to follow the same analogy to tiptoeing to the other side of the room to just kind of see what it's like. Right. Well these past experiences too that someone has they they can set you up with biases you never you don't even realize you hold. Absolutely. There, we um, very early on in my discovery process, I have a um, it's kind of a, a tool I I guess I invented, but it's a a client bias exercise because when it comes to investing and coming to different financial decisions and such throughout our lives, we may have made some mistakes, or at least looking back on it. Of course, that's the that's really the only way we identify mistakes. We don't say, well, this is going to be a mistake. Now I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do so, it. So, uh, so we make mistakes that might have to do with financial decision-making, or we have friends, relatives, people that we know and like and trust that made mistakes and they're saying, don't ever do this, or you shouldn't do that. Even though the particular product or strategy, it, it may have been, it may have been the misapplication of that product or strategy. In other words, the product or strategy isn't wrong. It's just how it was applied in the situation mm -hmm. at the time was incorrect. So as I go through like early on in my process, I, I simply ask, for example, you know, there's about 11 different financial strategies. And I just indicate Patrice that as I mention each one, I just want a gut reaction. Does it give you a positive feeling in your gut? a negative feeling in your gut or neutral. And if you're not familiar with the strategy, no problem. I don't know is always an acceptable answer with me. I'll just put that in the neutral category. And then I might say individual stocks, Patrice, positive, negative, neutral, and, and on and on, I'm, you know, get into other strategies or other products. And that is extremely helpful to me because ideally there is no there is no positive or negative to a strategy or product. It's like saying uh, a tool in a toolbox is good or bad uh, or a medication that a, that a physician might prescribe is good or bad. It's all about appropriate application to bring about an outcome that the person you're serving is seeking. So if people have, as I go through that, if if they have negative biases, and that, that exercise takes three or four minutes. Mm -hmm. I circle back Patrice and say, Patrice, I see you have a, a negative bias against, oh, I don't know, corporate bonds. How did that come into being? I mean, you weren't born with that. And, uh, and I do that on all the strategies, but typically Patrice, the, the answer is completely disconnected 
from just simply how do corporate bonds work? Hmm. It's like, well, I had this, that, it didn't work out. And when I go through that exercise, I am just gathering information. I don't start going off on a tangent. Well, you don't actually understand how corporate bonds work, Patrice, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm just, I am gathering information because down the line, later in the process, my discovery process, if it becomes appropriate that I recommend something that is in your best interest that you and I uncovered early in the process, whereby you have a, a negative bias against it, then, then I know that I need to help you understand right. that. Um, now, if your negative bias is about a particular strategy that has no application in your situation, who cares? We don't have to even waste time on it. But if it is in your best interest as a fiduciary, I have a responsibility to share with you why that would help bring about the outcomes you tell me you want. And then at the same time, and, and this is what I say to, to people I'm working with in the process, almost verbatim. Uh, but then I say, Patrice, you know, I never forget whose money it is. It's your money, Patrice. And if you're uncomfortable mm -hmm. with any strategy, no problem. We'll, we'll just move on to the, the, the next best recommendation. But one thing the audience should not expect from, from Ryan Potterack is to simply be a, a yes man to go along with. I think we need to have a, a respectful partnership relationship when we work with clients and families. Uh, so I've found that tool to be extremely helpful. Uh, one other thing on the psych, since we're in the psychology podcast that I find interesting. Uh, and again, I've, I've said in a prior podcast that, you know, we work with a lot of people that might be in their fifties and, and above and transitioning from employment to retirement. And also oftentimes in that, in that generation, again, couple, husband, wife, the husband may have, again, more interest uh, than, than the wife. And so when I have the husband and wife and I go through this exercise, as I name off each strategy, I let them know, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you know, the wife first and get her positive, negative, or neutral about whatever the strategy is. And then I go to the husband. So I would be, for example, Patrice, individual stocks, positive, negative, or neutral, and then I'd go, Mr. Patrice, positive, negative, neutral on individual stocks. And I go through that with every single one. Well, the reason why I asked the, the woman first is because what I've found uh, with couples, at least of a certain uh, generation, mm -hmm. if I were to ask the husband first, then the wife, I'd get a lot of, yeah, what he said. Yeah, I agree with what he right. said. Okay. And when I asked the wife first, she has, I mean, I get what her legitimate gut reaction is. And the male ego, when I go to the husband, the male ego will not allow typically the husband to agree with his wife in this area unless he actually agrees with his wife. Uh, so I've just found for my three decades plus that that gives me a, a more authentic, true representation of both of the, of the individuals and the couple about how they feel regarding biases in, uh, in, with various strategies. Right. Hmm. Interesting. But it does make sense when you explain it. Do you find that some of these biases or preferences perhaps come about because they are comparing themselves to someone they know, be it a family member or friend? Well, it worked for them. That's why I like it. Sure. Yeah. yeah life experience. And um, it's not 
and and we're we're right now we're in an area that uh, in prior podcasts we've talked about how are we unique how are we different this is a completely unique area because somebody having a bias is human nature and natural i'm not i'm not meaning to convey that it is negative but it's very important for me in my role working with a couple to be aware of it and so for a client to say what you just said you know, my, my friend, my neighbor, whatever did this, it was awesome. That's what they believe. That's what they think. It, it may be true. It may, it may be disconnected from the facts, but it's important that I know it. So then I can have a conversation around it. That is, that is understanding and respectful and maybe get at the core because they might just think like the strategy because it worked because the neighbor said it worked, but that doesn't mean they understand it. Uh, the mechanics of the strategy or how it applies to their situation. And so rather than being dismissive, well, what does your neighbor know? Does it, is your neighbor educated? Is it, you know, <laughs> that, that, that's not a, that's not helpful to the the people I'm, uh, you know, attempting to serve. It's more fleshing it out. And in our discovery process, as I've said before, where we create an environment of exchange that's not in a hurry we have the opportunity, I think, to to flesh out those kinds of experiences and and ultimately arrive at uh, solutions that may absolutely incorporate on some level what their neighbor's been doing, uh, but they'll do it with a, a little bit more knowledge of why it's also a good fit in their situation. And maybe what their neighbor is not telling them didn't work for them. <laughs> Yeah, you know, cocktail parties are, are are out back barbecue, and you don't talk about the uh, the, the really right. stupid mistakes you made. And uh, <laughs> you know, gosh, I I bought you know whatever. I won't use any company names, but yeah, yep. All right, talk to me more about this critical thinking idea that you you use. What is it that you that you ask yourself to start the thought process? Well, both in running P, in running PCA, coaching other advisors. And uh, working with clients, I might say, why wouldn't you want to do this? I've had, and so I'm getting in conversations and, and let's say that a strategy for a particular couple seems to be perfect. I think that we should implement it. They think we should implement it. I might say, Let, let's just stop and take the, the flip side of the coin. Let's try and poke a, why wouldn't we want to do this? Because I believe that that every decision is a trade-off. Mm -hmm. And so if the client and I are believing that a particular decision is proper, but then I kind of reverse it so that they also demonstrate to me or with me what is that trade-off, then to me that gives them extra confidence. It's it's not something that just because let's say they're agreeing with me and and we're going along and this is a great strategy they might not know the trade off they might be acting like okay I'm I'm mm -hmm. I'm fully informed uh, and I mean acting in an unconscious way uh, but I'm not afraid to say well why shouldn't we do this now part of that I think comes from the core of we're a fiduciary uh, firm and so it it. From a compensation state, from my self-interest, it makes no difference if we go with strategy A versus strategy B. But that's one. 
mm-hmm. that that's one element. Uh, it comes into play sometimes with, again, my team at PCA and, and uh, unfortunately, somewhat unfortunately as the, as the leader of my firm, uh, when I say things, people might go along or not challenge me, even though I do my best to, to solicit conflict, frankly, and, uh, and pushback. And so that is that I've found a way that's helpful is, you know, okay, we're all on board to implement this new initiative. We're excited how it's going to add value to our, the families we serve. Well, why wouldn't we want to do that? And sometimes I get some mm-hmm. stunned looks and, and wide eyes. And I said, so why wouldn't we, let's make the counter case. And, I, and I've just always found that to be healthy uh, in my own personal life too. And as I work through decision-making. But it also, ex- it shows that you understand you've gone through the thinking process, the pros, the cons. It's one of the things when you can teach something, then you know it. If this, you can rip it apart and look at it from both sides, then you understand it. You know it. And our audience knows that not everything in life goes exactly as planned. And so in, in effect, in, inherent in that is, is okay, wh- what could go wrong? Right. And, and, um, and, and then sometimes that can be comforting to know, okay, that's really kind of the worst case scenario and is also unlikely. But if it happens, it happens. But still the right decision is to move forward. What about deal breakers? Uh, well – you know, that gets very, you know, gets very individualized. I mean, for me, I've, I've grown to appreciate clarity, simplicity and clarity, wherever it may be found. And as a business person, following our protocols, our framework, I believe allows us to better serve uh, the public. And if, if I start to say, okay, I'm going to accept X, Y, and Z that are that I'm not principally aligned with, and I just kind of sort of tongue in cheek, but it doesn't matter how much wealth a person has if they're rude, if 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 they're arrogant, they could be arrogant early on when I meet them, but they need to modify that. So that it, it just shows up to me as, okay, they were just nervous or whatever. So working with, uh, life is too short. Working with people that I wouldn't want to spend my own personal time with is a, is a deal breaker for me. Now and again, not very often, you you have, I've had people ask me to, for lack of anything, better way to describe it is to be a little shady, so to speak, you know, what, cause we, we do a lot of tax planning and tax mitigation. And I mean, my line is always, you don't want to get anywhere near the electric fence. The IRS and the government doesn't play games, but, but people will not often, but there are people like that. So certainly, you know, certainly that's a deal breaker integrity with you had asked ideal, ideal client, but it's important that people that I work with and that I serve are candid and forthright. And if people are unwilling to answer my questions, that's not, that's close to a deal breaker. Uh, What would be a deal breaker is if they're unwilling to explain Mm. what about answering my question is, is so unique. Give me, make the case, give me a sense of, of why that question you're just not comfortable answering. Cause I have to, I have to understand. I, I don't need 
any business from any household, but we want to help people. But that goes to somewhat of our due diligence, as we've talked in the in prior podcasts about, does it make sense for us to work with this particular mm-hmm. family over time? And again, it's not a, it's not a bad answer. It's not a wrong answer. I respect their, it's again, it's their money, but it just wouldn't be aligned with where we're at. All right. Now you've got a word. You sent me some notes for this podcast and I appreciate that. And I looked at this word and went, huh? It's a yabbit. You say, don't let yourself get overrun by yabbits. Tell me about yabbits. Well, yabbits are excuses. It can be, you know, it's people. So let's say a person wants, they, they have an objective and then I start to share strategies or ways to approach to get the objective there there are people in this world that will tell you for every solution they have five reasons why it won't work and and so that can get tiresome frankly so i might say well do you do you so about a particular strategy do you agree with this part of the strategy yes do you agree with this yes so i'm in effect, mm-hmm. helping them step by step to understand why the strategy fits what they're trying to achieve. And then they go into all of the habits, yabbit this, yabbit that. And, <laughs> you know, if we can't get beyond that, it's like, okay, if, if, if your point is, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, that anything can happen in life and something could go wrong, I totally agree. But we can't and you can't manage your wealth to the lowest common denominator or what possibly could go wrong. I mean, that's, it's an interesting industry where it's completely intangible versus many, many, many other consumer decisions we make. And also a financial professional can guarantee almost nothing in terms of future Mm -hmm. outcomes. Mm -hmm. So everything is about risk management. Everything is about probabilities. Everything is about communicating with that couple so that there's an equal understanding of that relationship, the trade-offs, the risk versus reward, what could happen in a worst case scenario. But ultimately, you need to move beyond yabbits and get to, as they, my grandpa used to say, fish or cut bait. (laughs) <laughs> one way or the other, yes. you know, it's like, we need to make progress here. If you want me to fish, you cut back, no problem, but we got to do one or the other and get moving forward. And let's take that to the other extreme. People who are saying, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but what about the others who say, I don't care. Just do it. I don't care. Just do it. That, that happens as well. Uh, on one, on one hand, as the professional, and I'm sure this is true of an attorney or a physician or whatever dentist on down the line. Uh, I wish it was always easy enough to say, okay, this is what you need to do. And this is, and we're going to do it because it just saves a bunch of time, frankly. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't have a conflict of interest in, in the, in the recommendation. However, I've come to over the years of experience to realize that's it's cutting a corner because while the client could be completely on board with with what I say, but unless I can confirm that they understand it retroactively, uh, if the strategy doesn't go the way we intend it, 
which again is I can't promise that's how life in this industry works. If something goes wrong, uh, the client has, I'll call it an excuse, and I don't have it in my file notes that we really dug down and assured that the client knew what we were going to do. Because mm-hmm. that client could say, well, I I just trusted him. I, you know, I I I believed in him that it was going to do X, Y, and Z, and it didn't, and I didn't really know what we were doing. I mean, when there are situations that can go south, so to speak, right. and this is a highly regulated in- industry, Patrice. So me having case notes and and taking the extra step to to assure that they have at least a, a basic understanding of what we're, what we're doing is important. But I tell you earlier on in my career, cause it is natural. Yes. I trust you, Ryan, uh, whatever you say that, that feels great to hear those words. Uh, and it still does, but I, I need to get a little bit more. Gotcha. Well, Ryan, is there something we have not touched on yet in this podcast? You want to make sure we do. I guess one thing for maybe our younger listeners out there is that the surest path to wealth has nothing to do with what stock you invest in or maybe the more fun, sexier side of the of the industry. It is a psychology of paying yourself first developing the discipline so and if for people of of my generation or older if you're thinking of your adult children uh, young adult children or grandchildren establishing the habit of saving money is i think one of the best things that a young person can do it's not difficult they can set up between their checking account and a in a an investment account $25 a month $100 a month but establish that discipline to save over time. And what I mean by pay it yourself, pay yourself first is as we all become young adults and maybe we establish a car payment, we we have a rent payment, a mortgage payment, electric bill, blah, 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 blah. But then we look at, okay, I'm going to save what's left over instead of saying, okay, I'm a young Ryan and I'm going to, I'm going to pay myself 10% of what my paycheck is. And then I'm going to go get the apartment and then I'm going to go car shopping and all that kind of stuff. So treating your own future as a bill, because you would not blow off credit card payments and such, I think is is really important psychologically because the old man, Ryan, might wonder what the young man, Ryan, did with all the money. And so that's what I would add, Patrice, as we come come to near a close here. All right. Well, Ryan. How can people reach you? Well, they can always go to our website at www.potterack.net. Potterack is P-O-T-E-R-A-C-K, and it's .net. Uh, They can always call our office at um, 704-366-5776 or check out our social media on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. So we're uh, we're not difficult to find, and we'd love to get acquainted. All right. And listeners, don't fall into the shoulda or yabbit's hole. I, see what I did there, Ryan? Did you see that? that yabbit's hole? All of this podcast. I think you'll have to work on that a little bit, Patrice, <laughs> but offline, offline. Offline. All right. But follow the podcast. You know the deal. You get every episode. You'll know when it's ready for you and share with others. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to Life Isn't Lived on a Spreadsheet. 
Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. To ask questions about topics covered during the show or get a copy of Making It Count, Life Isn't Lived on a Spreadsheet by Ryan Potterack, visit www.potterack.net or give us a call at 704-366-5776. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Potterack Capital Advisory. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Potterack Capital Advisory does not offer legal or tax advice. Please consult the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstances. Nothing contained herein is to be considered a solicitation, research material, an investment recommendation, or advice of any kind. The information contained herein may contain information that is subject to change without notice. Any investments or strategies referenced herein do not take into account the investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific person. Product sustainability must be independently determined for each individual investor. Potterack Capital Advisory explicitly disclaims any responsibility for product suitability or suitability determinations related to individual investors.